Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the testimonies that uh, were given tonight and the things that you have done in lives and, Lord, just uh, opportunities to be faithful and to be used of you. We thank you for your blessings upon our church and the work you do in the community. And, Lord, we just want to uh, look to you and thank you for just being good. In your name we pray. Amen. And if you would, uh, right there, we'll get there in a minute. Uh, tonight, uh, our lesson, we're going to keep the kids in here with us tonight. And hopefully, uh, we'll be playing and singing some hymns and different things. The instrumentalists, you can, you can be, re- we won't make you play with all the different hymns tonight. But uh, I have asked uh, my wife to just sit at the piano because we're going to do some uh, songs tonight, and tonight we're just going to talk about uh, sacred music. I mean, there's lots of music out there that we could, if you need an outline, we do have some available. Um, and the word is sacred, and this is, uh, I just printed the definitions out of the Oxford English Dictionary. It says, of the Eucharistic elements is the first def- uh, definition, consecrated and, of course, that uh, you have to understand this is the Oxford English Dictionary. And the oldest usage of the word sacred would go back to the uh, 13, 1400s when the Roman Catholic Church held sway. The Anglican Church then took over. Uh, their name for what we call the Lord's Supper is the Eucharist. And uh, so the idea of something sacred would be consecrated, would be the elements of what we would call the Lord's Supper. Of course, Church of England celebrates it a completely different and perverted way, and we're not having time to do that. But consecrated to, second definition, uh, esteemed especially dear or acceptable to a deity. Now, uh, ideally, we would like our music to be dear to the heart of God. We would want it to be consecrated to him. The third definition is the classic definition, the one that appertains mostly to what we're talking about, of things, places, persons, and their offices, etc., set apart for or dedicated to some religious purpose, and hence entitled to veneration or religious respect, made holy by association with a god or other object of worship, consecrated or hallowed. The word hallowed means holy. Jesus said, as he taught the disciples to pray, hallowed be thy name. Holy be the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is to be different, is to be kept special. That's why uh, it should grieve your heart when you hear someone use the name of Jesus as profanity or other things. So, What we are talking about here is music specially dedicated to the worship of Jesus Christ. That is what sacred music is. And this is mostly hymns. Uh, The the hymns that we use in our hymn book here. Uh, Brother Mike says that uh, we are the singingest church. Brother Mike Newberger said we are the singingest church he's ever heard of. Uh, that we have, we sing a lot. We have a hymn book here with uh, 
close to 700 or just over 700 hymns in it, uh, right at 700. And uh, 680, let's find it here, uh, 680 some hymns in this book, 682. Um, Now, we don't sing every hymn in the book, but we sing more of the hymns in the book than we don't sing. And we tried to keep those in a, in a good rotation. But you hear these songs, you, and there is a great uh, difference between uh, some of the songs. Um, one of our favorite songs is Jesus is Coming Again. I mean, you just want to go waltzing across. The, it's a waltz. It's what the, the music is. And it's not meant to dance to. One of these days we're going to just... Uh, uh, leave this ground and, and join the Lord in heaven. Uh, but uh, we have other than hymns, uh, we have uh, certain songs that are written to be sung by choirs and special music, uh, uh, themed music such as Christmas music. There's Easter music, patriotic music. Uh, I don't believe that it's terribly wrong for us to sing uh, the Star Spangled Banner on occasion, um, and uh, we'll get into that in just a minute. But uh, the also the word sacred not only refers to the music itself, but it also determines the words and the performance. Okay? Um, I, I don't have it available, but I remember uh, one time uh, we had a, a uh, pastor come in while I was a student in Bible college, and he was teaching uh, against rock and roll music at the Bible college. Now, they don't do that anymore because they have a rock band that performs uh, every chapel service, and uh, it is uh, uh, a grief to my heart and soul every time I mention it. Uh, uh, I am a student of that college. There were many professor, uh, many pastors that helped uh, pay for my education. My tuition certainly didn't pay for all of it. Uh, but that's one of the reasons I support Heartland. Because Heartland teaches the same things that my Bible college taught when I was there. In fact, uh, well, uh, just one quick story. Uh, a month before graduation, we had the chancellor of our college come in and said, I don't know if you preacher boys know how to pray or not, but you better start praying there just might not be a college in May to give you your diploma. That's how bad things had gotten. And there were a couple of pastors, I didn't know who they were at that time, that came in and bailed us out, literally, to the tune of $300,000. A small group of pastors, just four or five men, raised that kind of money, immediately brought it to Springfield and kept the college open. I found out later, two of those men was Sam Davison and Dale Hardy, Dave Hardy. Uh, and uh, those are two men that have been very formative in Heartland. So I'm, I am repaying my debt by helping Heartland. Amen? And uh, it, it is just a tragedy that the church would go to the world to try to help it worship God. And uh, I don't have a lot of Scripture references here, but you go through the book of Judges. Uh, you go back to Aaron and the golden calf. Uh, you'll know if you remember the story. This is what Aaron said. 
he, he told them to cut off their earrings and to give them the, the gold that they had uh, uh, spoiled from the Egyptians. And, and uh, the Bible says that he put it in the fire and grave it, grave, uh, formed it with a graving tool and, and uh, did all of this work. He told his brother Moses that he threw it in the fire and out came a calf. Uh, I don't think Moses bought that story either. Uh, but here's what Aaron said. These be thy gods, O Israel, who brought thee up from the land of Egypt. You see, the devil's great lie is not saying God is dead. Only a fool would believe that. Only a fool would say that. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart. You know why he has to say it in his heart? Because there's nothing about the fact that God doesn't exist that makes one bit of sense to the brain. Uh, you, you've got to go past your reasoning capabilities to deny the existence of God. And uh, the great lie of the devil is imitation, is coming alongside. The great problem with music is when we open the door to what goes on in the world out there and bring it in here, we then make our worship unacceptable to God. That's why we use the word sacred. Uh, you would not play sacred music. I mean, it would be out of place in a bar on Friday night to change the bebop and the boom, 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 to blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. I mean, you laugh, uh, but it would, uh, it would start a riot. I mean, they'd go, what are you doing? And uh, because that music does not lend itself to the sensuality and to the freedom from God's moral rules and laws, uh, we'll look at some uh, types of music here, but the performance is just as important. That's why when we sing, and uh, now some churches, they clap when people sing in the church. Uh, that's not a sin, but I'll tell you, Open Door Bible Baptist Church, as long as I'm the pastor, I'm going to ask you, say Amen. That's a scriptural response. Uh, clapping, okay. It, it, like I said, it's not sinful, but let's, let's keep our scriptural response scriptural. Now, when we have our veterans stand on Veterans Day, we clap. Our mothers stand on Mother's Day, we clap. Uh, uh, fathers stand on Father's Day, and, and applause is uh, a, a, apropos, we might say. It's, it's in keeping. But when someone performs a music, a song that would draw our hearts to the Lord, I would hope and pray your natural response would be the biblical response of amen. And this is what we mean by sacred. We mean things that are specifically separated from the world to God. Now, some applications. Um, there's uh, uh, 
uh, a music company that came out years ago. They had uh, Patch the Pirate. And what is the name of their music company? Do you remember? Majesty Music, yes. And uh, their music is very good, very classical. But they got to mixing Mozart in hymns. Now, Mozart was a godless man. His music was good. Several people asked me a question. Uh, You didn't mention uh, so-and-so. Is his music good? Or you didn't mention this piece. I, I want you to know that classical music... Roughly from uh, 16, whatever it was, 1650, right up until the early 1900s, it was called the period of um, mutual, I should have printed out the outline there, Um, but the music itself all followed the same basic rules. And so the music is good. Now, I want you to understand that if there's an opera about murder and mayhem and immorality and all of that, that maybe, as a Christian, I would shun, uh, though the music is good, I would say, you know, I really don't need to uh, listen to the demon Barber of Seville. I mean, that just might not uh, uh, be good spiritual food or good music that I would even want to listen to as I'm driving down the road. Uh, uh, the Bugs Bunny version isn't too bad, but it, it's even a little weird. Uh, and because uh, Bugs Bunny dresses up as a woman in the opera, and so uh, come on. Uh, so we keep moving here back to the to what sacred music is. It is a music, it is a performance, it is words that bring glory to the God of the Bible. Now, I I will tell you first off, there are some hymns in our hymn book that I don't especially care to sing. Uh, It's not that they're bad hymns, it's not that there's something terrible with them, but... um, I want us to look at these characteristics of sacred music. The number one characteristic is a melody that can be sung by anyone. If you will notice the, uh, if well, I hope you don't notice, but most contemporary music, the average person could not sing it. Uh, the southern gospel music that is being done today unless you have exceptional range and exceptional talents, you can't sing it. Uh, And what this does is this goes back to classical music. Some of it, much of it was written to give praise, give a platform to exalt the performers. There is music written by Paganini that no one has been able to perform since him. He is one of the masters of the violin. Now, not everything that he wrote, most of, some of what he wrote, they would say that he would play the violin and people would leave the concert hall screaming uh, that he was somehow possessed. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, 
uh, he has written music that people can't even play. Now, what does that do? It exalts the performer. Sacred music exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, Fanny Crosby, one of the most prolific hymn writers, she wrote the poems and other people put those poems to music. Uh, She was uh, one of the most accomplished concert harpists uh, in the country in her day. She played the... uh, Uh, piano and organ extremely well, but this is what she said. I got the quote out of a book called An Anthology of Hymnology. A guy like rhymes. But anyway, uh, uh, it said that she purposely wrote her poems very simple so that anyone could understand the music. And that is the ultimate separation, separating characteristic of um, melodies that can be sung by anyone. Uh, This is in opposition. How many of you have ever heard uh, the Gregorian chants? Sometimes they play them on the radio stations and stuff. Uh, You... Uh, Stephen got into Gregorian chants, and I'm sitting there going, come on, son, get get over it. Uh, extremely complex melodies, counter-melodies. And, and, of course, if you lived in a monastery and had nothing else to do, uh, you could practice hours and hours and hours and learn these things. Um, some of our hymns, O Come All Ye Faithful, is an old Latin hymn. Uh, nobody knows, really, how old that is. It, it goes back... Uh, centuries. Another song here, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is the 12th century. That's 1100s. Those are pretty old songs. And uh, uh, yet they were simple hymns that anybody could sing. They were not for professionals only. In fact, there was a time in history when only professional musicians were allowed to sing in church. Now, that was mostly the Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, the high Protestant churches. This is not what the Bible tells us. The Bible says, after Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, that they sang a hymn and went out toward the Garden of Gethsemane. That was the disciples. I am sure they weren't in... uh, uh, you know, 12-part harmony and everybody was doing different things. It was just a simple, simple song. Now, oftentimes we have common tunes or folk tunes. Amazing Grace. Uh, let's just turn there. Page number 85 in your hymn. Um, no, I'm sorry. Uh, page number 336 in your hymn books. Or actually, what was that number that we were just at? Yeah, 607? 607. Let's just go there. Now, I want you to look here. On the left side of your page, as you're looking down, right under the 607, you'll see a name there, Robert Robinson. Now, he is the author of the lyrics. On the right side is where the author of the music, and what does it say? 
the sacred harp. This was just a simple harp tune. Uh, the, the harp spoken of here would have been uh, very similar to a lute or the forerunner of the modern day guitar. Uh, this was not the concert harp that stands six foot high and all of this. This would have been uh, a hand instrument. Um, the actual uh, book, the, the sin book here does not tell us the origin of that, but how many of you could hear a harp just plucking out these notes? And, and it would be beautiful. Uh, turn with me. Let's go to Amazing Grace. That's 336. One of the most uh, beloved hymns of all. Everybody sings Amazing Grace. And you look here and it says from Virginia Harmony. Now, where did the Virginia colony came from? come from? Uh, England. Uh, somebody just composed this little... And we don't know what words were to it and what... It was just... Uh, a little uh, 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 ditty that someone put together. And we have John Newton here putting his famous words. And together we have Amazing Grace. Let's just sing first verse. Can we do that? 336 if you need it there. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. (coughs) Like me, I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. And see, just a simple melody that anyone can sing. This was not written specifically for him. Um, uh, Mighty Fortress is our God. Let's turn to page number 20. And many people love this song. Uh, Now, our hymn book says that Martin Luther is responsible for the words and for the music. I had a professor in Bible college uh, in the music department who had done a lot of research on this song, and he said that this was not an original tune from Martin Luther, but it was an original tune from the German beer halls, and uh, uh, that the Germans swilled their lagers in the uh, early 1500s to the tune that Martin Luther adopted for his great hymn. Uh, By the way, how many of you know the Star Spangled Banner? Oh, say can you see, that's an American beer drinking song. From the early 1800s. And, uh, I mean, sometimes you can almost hear a hiccup in there somewhere if you're not careful. Uh, But uh, go try to do that tune in a bar today and see what happens to you. Are they are they playing a ball game? Where's where's the game? Uh, I mean, uh, so anyway, 
some of these uh, songs have a, a less than stellar origin for the music. But you and I, we don't attach them to those uh, origins today. And um, uh, there is a fountain filled with blood, 360. And uh, what your hymn book here says, most hymn books simply say, an American melody. This was um, um, just a song that people sang. It could have had uh, a dozen sets of words uh, dating back uh, to the time uh, before the Revolution and, and things. If I'm not mistaken, William Cowper uh, lived many years ago. And yet, here we have a beautiful him, and I will tell you, it never fails to be a blessing. Anytime you sing, there is a fountain filled with blood. Uh, and then um, uh, we have angels we have heard on high is a traditional French melody. What child is this? How many of you know the traditional English name for the melody, what child is this, is to? Green sleeves is the name of the song. Um, uh, why don't you play that? That is page number 94. Uh, I won't, why, why sing it to you, a terrible, when we can just play it beautifully on the piano, amen? And this is an English traditional melody. It would have been played for centuries, and someone put the words to what child is this, and we sing it as a Christmas song every year. Uh, are you going to find some contemporary artists that are uh, terrible people doing green sleeves? Yeah, I mean, every rock and roller has done it at one time or another. That doesn't change the beauty of the hymn. And uh, so, there we go. And uh, God rest you merry gentlemen is another traditional English melody. We don't need that. But uh, um, we have... Classical music, people talk about, uh, you know, is classical music good? Well, some of it has been incorporated into our hymns. Uh, George Frederick Handel, uh, not only Handel's Messiah, uh, which certainly would not be typical sacred music because you have to be a professional singer to sing that stuff. Uh, that doesn't mean it doesn't have its place and uh, no one... Uh, will attest the point. I even, uh, what was it? Uh, we went to uh, Carnegie Hall a while back and they were playing different things and uh, uh, one of the songs they sang was the Alleluia Chorus. And I, I just started looking. Is somebody going to, and a lot of people were just sitting, sitting and uh, uh, stood up and a lot of, and other people started standing before it was all done. The king stood up the first response, and it has been a tradition in uh, 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 the world at large that when the Alleluia Chorus is sung to the King of Kings, that everyone stands. That's a good thing. And uh, But uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, that was Mendelssohn, in the bleak midwinter. Uh, how many of you have ever heard of Gustav Holst? Uh, he wrote a, a, a collection of songs. We did one at classical music. He was a uh, much 
uh, more modern uh, person, I believe. Uh, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Uh, probably the single most famous and well-known piece of Beethoven is written other than the opening line to the Fifth Symphony. Um, is that, was adapted from him. Uh, we have a lot of hymns that come from all kinds of backgrounds. John and Charles Wesley were Methodists. That's why uh, some of their songs, And Can It Be, it says, emptied himself of all but love. I mean, uh, Jesus did not empty himself. He did not become less than God. Uh, sometimes I feel like going through our hymn books. Maybe we'll, we'll do that sometime, Hannah. Is just go through all the hymn books and scratch it out and veiled. But veiled doesn't really fit in the music. Uh, but uh, Jesus, uh, not, not all of our music is absolutely correct in everything we did. Jesus did not lay aside his attributes. He just simply covered them up so we could be in his presence. He never ceased being God. But the Wesleys actually believed, they, it was uh, theologically, it's called the kenosis theory, uh, that Jesus was able to empty himself of his attributes and still be God. Now, that would be a greater miracle than if it didn't happen, because it didn't happen. Uh, Jesus did not st- stop being God. He was always everything that he was. Uh, we have Baptist uh, written hymns. Uh, we have many people. Fanny Crosby was really... Uh, what we would call unaligned with anybody. Most of her uh, melodies were written by Baptist uh, uh, songwriters, and uh, many of them are some of our most loved songs uh, in churches. We have Anglicans, Lutherans. Um, we have Francis Havergale, which was somewhat of a Christian mystic, if you can get that into a very... Uh, introspective type Christianity, super holiness type thing that really, uh, but uh, take my life and let it be and other songs like that still have a great, great simple message and we can use those. Um, But sacred hymns have something in common and we're speaking most specifically about the lyrics We're talking about an author that has at least professed some type of faith in Jesus Christ. And the songs are in praise and worship of Jesus Christ as God. We have to be careful about some of the hymns. Uh, We have a hymn called Sacred Head. uh, uh, Sacred Head Now Wounded, written by Bernard of Clairvaux. The words are very good, but you have to understand, Bernard of Clairvaux was an inquisitor, hunting people who believed the truth and putting them to death. Uh, He believed in the Holy Catholic Church was the only true church, which is not true. I I don't sing a song uh, because I don't agree with what he meant when he put those words down. If you do not know who he was and what he did, you would read those words and you would think beautiful words, beautiful song, uh, and would sing it. But 
if you do know the history of who the man was and what he believed, you would say, maybe we need to just leave that one alone. And it's the same with the mighty fortresses our God. Martin Luther uh, did give a slim chance. Uh, His testimony of believing in God was he was uh, riding his little donkey through something and got struck by lightning and it scared the living daylights out of him and he dedicated his life to Jesus. Uh, That is his testimony of salvation. Uh, That is not believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting him alone for your salvation. So I, uh, I think the jury is out on Mr. Luther. And uh, that's why uh, we don't normally sing uh, a mighty fortress is our God. I mean, if somebody were having requests and somebody requests it, okay, we'll do the first verse. Uh, but uh, we, we want our music to be to the praise and worship. We want our performance. Now, I'm talking to our Sunday night crowd. You are our most faithful people. And something that we need to learn to do as a church is to sing better. Uh, when we have the organ going on Sunday morning and the piano and all of that, it's uh, maybe just a, uh, uh, a little easier for you to sing softly and nobody hears. But what, what we need is to sing out, even if you're not on tune perfectly. Uh, The Bible does say make a joyful noise. Every one of us is capable of doing that down to the little children. And uh, don't... I I hope no one here gets upset when the little children... uh, I like that Ethan said amen tonight. It's just a perfect place. Uh, That's not a problem. Let's enjoy that. Uh, They're not always going to be little children. And... uh, uh, we we want them to sing, and I I love when I'm up here on the platform watching the little ones start singing along. I mean that is such a blessing when they finally hear those words and and start singing with us. Um, but the goal of true worship is to lift up Jesus Christ, to give honor to God the Father. And we need to realize that His glory and His goodness is important enough for us to give our best. How many of you have heard Leland and Andrew and uh, even myself when we lead music? I mean, by the time you're done four hymns, it's... (laughs) Okay, well, we're working hard up here. And, And... Honestly and truly, the reason why they're working so hard up here is because we want you out there putting forth the same effort. Uh, You should be a little tired. Um, How many of you have been at Southwest Baptist Church and heard the singing? I mean, it will just, it'll change your understanding of church music forever. You get a 125 voice choir from the church and another 60 or 80 from the college, and and put all that together, and uh, 
Then uh, on special occasions, they add some instrumentation and all of that, and two pianos and an organ, and, and uh, wow. I mean, it just... <gasps> but what you should be doing is just singing your guts out. Amen? Uh, and, and I hope you don't mind the crudity there, but... Uh, What we're talking about is giving our best to the Lord. Singing, and loud is part of it. I want you to understand. Loud is part of it. Just because uh, you say, I can't sing on tune. That's okay. When we have congregational singing, we want everybody to sing loud. And uh, one of the things that I want to do, and I'm still working on how to get this done. I was going to try to do it tonight, but it was just rushed. And is actually play some notes and see how many people here are actually tone deaf versus those that can hear the difference. Uh, And there's no great sin in being tone deaf, okay? Some people, your ears are just not able to discern all of the different sounds. And... uh, But that should not stop you from singing praises to God. The traditional in most churches is a piano organ. Uh, If you go back a little further, the uh, uh, classical guitar was used. Uh, We can have a classical uh, performance of this music, a style... Uh, and that's where we use the orchestra instruments. I mean, uh, tonight, uh, and, and I uh, do, and and I'm hoping to uh, deal with a few little problems that I've developed in old age that I can get back to playing my saxophone on a more regular basis. Uh, I play the sacred saxophone. And uh, the reason why I do is because I never learned to play jazz. I don't want to learn to play jazz. I mean... My flesh does, yes. Uh, there is something very appealing about jazz music to your carnal nature. We don't want that in church. And I don't want that with my instrument. Uh, it's been very frustrating. One of the reasons I do not play as much as I used to is simply because I had one too many pastors. I mean... Every time I get it out, oh, can you play like Bill Clinton? And I just put it in the case and left it there. That's that's my problem. I'm just having a bad attitude here. But uh, uh, we we want to use our instruments, and uh, we want the little ones that are learning how to play as soon as they're able to uh, squeak their violins or uh, whatever it is you do with that trumpet uh, in basic. Uh, agreement with what's going on, we want you over there. Uh, How many of you have heard Joey play the guitar? None of you have, because you can't hear it. But he's over there playing it. And and, uh, that's what we want. Because we want you... The only way you learn the instrument is to use it. And uh, so, uh, there's a bluegrass or folk style of music, there's nothing that transgresses the laws of good music in a simple banjo roll or a cross-picked mandolin 
Uh, and if you don't know what that means, uh, it's just instead of uh, playing the traditional Italian style where you just uh, go back and forth between the two strings with the tremolo, you actually uh, pick the chords on individual strings on the mandolin. Uh, Becky Mack was just uh, really good at that, and some of the martial music reflects that. And there's uh, nothing wrong with the good old fiddle as long as it's played within the realms of propriety. I mean, if you're going to pull a Charlie Daniels and uh, rip the hair off your bow and bust the strings on your violin, I, I don't know that that really helps people worship God. And uh, But when you play a simple, good old-fashioned thing, gospel quartet music, I love men's quartets. Uh, they actually go back, if you go back into the 30s and 40s, in the United States, uh, even the 20s, uh, they had quartets, men's quartets, advertising shampoo, uh, soap, gasoline. I mean, everything that was for sale, they, somebody had a quartet singing about it. And uh, during that time, we had the birth of the gospel quartets. And uh, modern... Southern gospel quartet music has gotten completely out of hand. It's become a performance. It's just a show. Uh, it's not godly. Uh, I remember uh, one of the, when, I, when we were first married, we met Johnny Perrick. He was the high tenor for the Kingsman, one of these famous quartets. He said, I wasn't even saved. He said, when we were done a concert, we went out and got beers and smoked cigarettes and did all that. He said, I got saved. I had to quit it uh, because I want my music to, to please the Lord. And, uh, uh, but we cannot go to country western and say, let's, let's adapt country western music to serve the Lord. Because the formation of the music is bad. The words are bad. The people are bad. I mean, there, there's nothing there you can salvage. Uh, someone said that jazz is America's classical music. That's not true. Bluegrass is America's classical music. It was developed here. It was developed in the mountains of Appalachia and down through that whole area there and has spread. And yes, modern bluegrass, some of it's really bad. But what we're talking about here is just playing simple music. And once we leave these things, you cannot go to rock and roll. You cannot go to jazz. You cannot go to blues. You cannot go to any of these other things and try to find something that you can use that will lift up God. What we want is music that will draw our attention to the Lord. A music that promotes a true and simple worship of God and the Bible. These Much of the contemporary music, some of it is written within the realms of what we would call good music. But it's so hard to perform 
then only the professionals can do it well. Uh, We steer away from that music here because we don't want professionals only. We want people to sing praises to God. We do not, by the way, we look the same way with our theology. Uh, I, uh, I believe and uh, have been uh, cautioned actually sometimes by other pastors that I teach too much theology. And uh, I said, no, I don't. I said, my people understand what I'm preaching. The deepest thought in the entire scripture is God is love. You can't get any deeper than that. You can't explain it. Uh, We should understand uh, all of these thoughts, but our theology should never be above our level to praise God. Can we say amen to that? And uh, here's what Hebrews 2.12 says, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church. Will I sing praise unto thee? You know, that's, that's what we want to do. We want to sing praises to God. We want to praise Jesus Christ. Look at this Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, what I want us to do is... um, Let me just see if I can find the song. Yes, 393. 393. And and we're just going to end our service singing this song. Now, here's what I want you to do. If this song is true in your life, let's just go ahead and stand. And and we're going to end the service this way. We're going to sing all three verses. And I want you to sing unto the Lord, making that spiritual song in your heart. Sing as loud as you can without screaming. We don't need that, but uh, we do want you to sing this song and sing it unto the Lord with all you have. Here we go. Let's sing it out. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a thought. Of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. Is this your story? This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Now, do you realize just now your volume was... Two or three times what it was during the song service. 
Wouldn't you agree with that? Now, let's sing that last verse. And if you know a part, if you can sing alto, tenor, soprano, one of those things, bass, go ahead and and grab that part and let's try to get a little harmony going here and see if you can hear the difference. But let's sing it for all we got. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. Let me hear it. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the God's people said. All right, you may be seated. We'll get into our prayer time. Amen. That's revival right there. Let me ask you a question before we get into our prayer time. How many people said? Amen. Let's take our prayer list here. We're praying for the ministry.